glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Let's stand, if you would, Colossians chapter 2, and we will read verses 1 through 10. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. By the way, you should read that verse and just chew on that one for a, a few months. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, And this I say, why does Paul say this? Lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Thank you. You may be seated. We said verse 7 will be our, our springboard text verse or the verse we're going to focus on. We are to be rooted and built up in him. So we, we get our roots into who Jesus Christ is. We understand that our righteousness is through him and in him. We understand that our wisdom flows from him. I like to think of it this way. Uh, this helps me, and it might help you. I, I like to try to understand in a very practical way my position in the Lord. And I like to think about this. In heaven, I am in Christ. God does not, he does not look at me for who I am. I am in Christ. I understand I'm in Christ on earth, but on earth, the emphasis more is on Christ in me. See, on earth, I am his tool. I am his temple and Christ in me before men. In heaven, I in Christ. That's what gives me a position in heaven is I am in him, in his righteousness. On earth, he is in me, empowering me to live the life he saved me to by his grace, by his enabling. You understand everything in us is about who Jesus Christ is. Our ability to be sanctified is because of Jesus Christ. Our ability to be saved is because of Jesus Christ. To be sanctified, holy, pure, living unto God is because of He in us and we in Him. Our ability to serve is about who Jesus Christ is. Everything hinges. That's why He is the chief cornerstone. We are to be rooted in Him. Our comprehension and our belief and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything flows from that. He is the vine. We are the branches. Everything flows from who Jesus Christ is. It flows from His righteousness, His wisdom, His holiness. I was thinking the other day, let me try to put this into context, what it means to be rooted and built up in Him. Think about the model prayer. We're to pray, Our Father which art in heaven. Why can we even make that statement? Because of Jesus Christ. We can't even call God our Father if it weren't for the one mediator between God and men. That prayer began meaning this. The answer to the model prayer is one person, Jesus Christ. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me ask you something. Has Jesus Christ hallowed the name of God? You know how God the Father's name is hallowed? Through the obedience of God the Son. Do you know how His hallowed name is hallowed in us? So much as we are conformed to Christ, God's name is hallowed in us and through us. Because Christ is in us, we think differently about the Father than we did before. So the answer to hallowed be thy name, it has been hallowed through Jesus Christ. It can only be hallowed through Jesus Christ. All right, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Who's the king of the kingdom? Jesus Christ. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How many of you in all your days have executed perfectly the will of God on earth as it is executed in heaven? I know someone who did though. They came to earth and did the will of the heaven on earth as it is done in heaven. Jesus Christ. Give us this day our daily bread. Who is our daily bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How do we know how to forgive? We are to forgive as we have been 
forgiven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive it. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who's the shepherd who leads us? Jesus Christ. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And what's the last word of that verse, of that, of that prayer? And what's Jesus called in the book of Revelation? He said, I am the amen. He's the first word. He's the final word. This is what it means for Christ to have the preeminence. If you go through the whole armor of God, you know who the salvation is? Jesus Christ. You know who the righteousness is? Jesus Christ. You know who the truth is? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know who the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is? Jesus Christ. I understand it's our Bible, but that He is manifest to us through the written Word of God. Not, every, the gospel is about who? You understand then how we are rooted and built up in Him. You'll only have assurance of your salvation if your faith is rooted in Him and you are built up in the knowledge of Him. And so then, we're instructed in Colossians 2, 7, rooted and built up in Him. People say, what is the key? What is the mystery? What is the secret to the abundant Christian life? The same thing that is the key and the mystery and the secret to the salvation of your soul. Jesus Christ. As much as His death gave you pardon for your sins. His life gives you power to live a Christian life. He is the key to it all. Our entire Christian life is about faith in a person. Listen, please, closely tonight. There's a lot of philosophy today in the name of Christ, supposedly. There's a lot of vain deceit. There's a lot of traditions of men that are pawned off as Christ. But may I say this? They cannot replace who He is. What would do us well is to study the Word of God and get to know Jesus Christ from the Bible. Amen. Instead of looking for the golden key that shortcuts us past the process of just walking with the Lord and letting Him have rule in our hearts and lives and knowing Him through Scripture and prayer and submitting our will to Him, instead of looking for that little shortcut, that book out there where somebody gives us the secret recipe to a quick, abundant Christian life, (laughs) there's no such thing. When you got saved, you got everything you need. I don't believe we can overemphasize this. The day that you put your trust in Christ, you and I did not understand all we were given the day we were saved. I didn't. But I promise you, you were given everything you need to make you fit for heaven and fruitful on earth. And it was given to you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians 2, 7 is all about. A lot of, I've been saying to us, many a Christian are living under their privileges. Here's why. Living under your privileges means something is spoiling us. Something's robbing us of the riches that we've been given in Jesus Christ. I'm in Him, and He in me, and by Him I have all that I need uh, to make me righteous through all eternity, but also to give me power to live faithfully while I'm here. And then if we're not taking part of those riches, we're missing out on the riches of wisdom and sanctification and honor, all the things He's made unto us, then very likely something has robbed us of that. And so where we want to be tonight is we need to be established in our faith in Him. And established means I am certain of what is true concerning Him and therefore what is true. Colossians 2, 7 deals both with what's true of Him and what's true of me because I'm in Him. It says we are what in Him? Complete in Him. Meaning you don't receive Christ and then you add to Christ 30 years of faithful Christian living and that's going to be enough. No, the moment you believed on Christ, you were complete in Him. We live out of that completion. We don't live from a constant sense of bankruptcy spiritually. We're not bankrupt. We have completion. The moment you got saved, God gave you everything in Christ you need to make you what He wants you to be. It is our job to take hold of those resources by faith, which is why many are so spiritually poor. Little faith means little of the riches of God in my life. It doesn't mean they're not available to me. I've just not availed myself of them. I read a quote today, and I wish I had written it down. It's a great quote. I have a pastor friend that emails to lots of pastors, and he sends an email out this morning, was on this matter of the difference between when a person gets saved, they're saved, but, and you'll be as saved as you're ever going to be the day God saves you. And the quote was by M.R. Han, And he went on to say that there are those, though, who simply get saved and that they're, they're glad they're going to heaven and then there are those who develop what they've been given. Meaning they act on and they activate the riches they've been given and, and take, they take advantage of the benefit that's been given them in Christ. And so that's really where we're coming from tonight. So in Colossians 2, 7, as far as being established in Him. I just want to give a few things there to exemplify uh, what, he, what he's talking about. In regard to being established, I want to give you four things tonight, and what we'll do is give Scripture verses to, to, to bring these things 
uh, where these things are brought to light. When it comes to our establishment, we read to be established means uh, to, to stabilitate, to, make, to confirm, to establish, to get you in your, in your heart to where you are settled on what you know to be true. You are settled. We're going to give some particulars of establish, establishment. Uh, you're settled on where you're going. You're settled on who you are in Christ. You're settled on Him. And so the potential for establishment is where we're going to begin tonight. Is it possible to not be driven about with every new brand of doctrine that comes around? Is it possible to be steadfast, unmovable, not blown about by every wind of doctrine? Yeah, it is possible. Absolutely. But how may, may I say this? <laughs> if, I could, if I could put it this way, spiritually speaking, we are living in a very windy time. There are a lot of doctrinal winds blowing, and what has happened is, and I do believe this, because of the information age, access to the Internet, one of the things, I can just say this from a pastoral position, one of the things that makes it challenging to get weak Christians strong is the competition with truth that there is via the Internet. For every pulpit that's preaching the truth, and by the way, there is truth on the Internet. Don't misunderstand. It's a great tool if it's used correctly, but there's also an abundance of lies about God, about the gospel, about salvation, about how to live the Christian life. And so then there's the potential to be blown about by people's ideas, philosophies, and traditions is greater, I think, probably right now than it's been in the history of man because of the access and availability of these philosophies and traditions and while I'm so appreciative of the information age on some parts, on other parts, uh, there are a lot of folks that have never gotten established in their faith. I've seen this happen many times. Someone comes, hears the gospel. Maybe a neighbor was trying to win them to Christ. Maybe somebody at their work. Maybe somebody from the church came by and knocked on their door. And no, nobody else is trying to reach them with the gospel. No one else was going after them. They, you got them under the sound of the gospel. They came to faith in Christ. They got saved. You begin to get them established in what? God has done for them, getting their focus on Christ, getting them to have assurance of salvation, assurance in the Bible, assurance that God would use them through a local New Testament church and facilitate them and serve, and some other individual or church snags them and says, ah, ah, come over here. I believe every newborn Christian is going to have to deal with that at some point in time, to try Satan working to pull them away from the truth, offer something that is counter to the truth, and Keep them from getting rooted in the truth. May I say this? Once God saves you, Satan cannot unsave you, but he sure can keep you from getting stable and strong in the Lord. And so the potential, though, for establishment is, is as great as the potential for going astray. God has provided for us to be settled in our hearts as to what we believe and who we're serving, knowing with certainty the truth of things to come, knowing with certainty what He did for our soul when He saved us, knowing with certainty His will for our life. God does not want us living with confused and unsettled minds. That's not the way God wants us to live, yet many a Christian is unsettled. Unsettled. And so the potential is there for us to be settled. Uh, Romans 16.25. Romans 16.25. The Bible says in verse 25 of Romans 16, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. I want to just focus. I'm just going to read that verse, not the verses around it. You can go look at those in your own time. But it says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying the one that has the ability to establish you, to get you rooted, settled on what has taken place and who you are in Christ Jesus and who Christ Jesus is, the one the power to establish you is God. And what you'll find throughout most of these verses when it's talking about being established, it's talking about the Lord being the one to establish you. He is the one that brought you into the faith and he is the one that will establish you in the faith. The living Son of God will settle in your heart the truth. The Bible says it's His Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So it's God Himself that will confirm the truth to you. There are many today that act like, in word, they say they're Christians. In practicality, they're deists. The deist says God put it all together, set it on the shelf and said, let it do what it will. And many act like God got involved, for instance, in the inspiration of the Bible, but after that he took his hands off. So God gave his word from heaven to earth, but you guys do the best you can with it. And they act that way about salvation. God worked to bring you to faith in Christ, to convince you that Jesus is the Son of God. But what that means to you is your guess. 
Does that mean you're going to be caught up in the clouds with the Lord? Maybe, but some don't believe that. Does that mean you're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years? Maybe, but some don't believe that. So here, I convinced you that God convinced you that Christ is a Savior, but beyond that, can He convince you that you'll stay saved? Well, who knows? Anybody's guess? You with me? And so the fact is, no. If you can be sure tonight that Christ is the Son of God, you can also be sure what He has done for you as the Son of God. And you can be sure of His will for your life as His child. And as your shepherd, you can be sure what He wants you doing and what He doesn't and what pleases Him and what doesn't. You can be sure He's going to come and get you. You can be sure you're going to have a resurrected body. These are not things of question. They're not up for debate. And when we act like they're up for debate, we're unsure and unsettled and God would not have us be that way. The same God that brought you to faith in Christ will keep your faith in Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the one that has power to establish us is God. You know what Paul has to say this? And by the way, he says the establishment will always be according to the gospel. Nothing will establish you that contradicts the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to establish you that contradicts the preaching of Christ. No, it's going to always be in line. Whatever it establishes you will be in line with what you initially believe when God saved you. When he brought you to faith, not in yourself, not in your performance, but in the person of Jesus Christ. So the potential for establishment is seen in the ability of God to establish us, to settle us, to strengthen us, to confirm us and give us confidence in his word. Number two, it's seen in the accomplishment of this in others. Look at Acts chapter 20, if you would. Acts chapter 20. We'll read verses 23 and 24. Acts 20, 23 and 24. Paul says, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul came to a persuasion on the Damascus Road that Jesus Christ is Lord. As such, he came to persuasion that he was called to be an apostle. He came to persuasion that he was supposed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was sure of that. He was sure that meant he could no longer be a Pharisee. He was sure that meant he had to give up what he had counted as his righteousness prior. He was sure, so sure that what he knew from God to be true, that he was willing to be stoned for it and not change his belief system. Do you realize Paul got treated horribly for what he believed, for the doctrine he held and the ministry he accomplished. Had Paul been a pragmatist, he would have quit after the first missionary journey. By pragmatist means we do what works. Here's what worked. Paul went and preached what the Lord Jesus told him, and it got him stoned on his first missionary journey and left for dead. It got him beaten with stripes on the second missionary journey just right off the bat. Now, for you and I, you know what the flesh says? You're doing something wrong. But he knew whom he had believed and was persuaded that he's able to do what he's promised to do when I've committed on him against that day. The persecution didn't change him. He said, the Lord has shown me that persecutions and afflictions abide me. Wherever I go, that's part of what I must endure. But none of these things move me. I'm not changing my message. I am not changing my method. His method was the Lord, the method the Lord had given him, preach the gospel. And so he didn't change with the whims of time, none of those, with the, with the, with the pressures of persecution. He said, none of these things move me. Second Peter chapter one, verse 12, speaking of doctrine and of the, of the truth, Peter says of those he was writing to, he said, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. So some truths he was giving them, the things we've been looking at in Sunday school about spiritual growth. He said, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. He said, The truth I'm giving to you about spiritual growth, adding to your faith, you are already established in that. You know it, and you're sure of it. You're sure of the truth that you've got to grow and add to your faith. But I'm going to remind you of it anyway. So you know what tells us? The believers in 2 Peter 1 were established. They weren't changing their belief system. They were not changing their Christian lives as believers in Christ. Uh, they were established. So the, the potential for a child of God to not be blown about, to not go astray, uh, is seen both in God's ability that he states he has the ability to do, but then you see that ability in practicality in the lives of people recorded in Scripture. You see it in the practicality in the lives of people you know, people who've undergone, undergone tremendous 
a pain and difficulty because of their faith, because of their belief of God's word, uh, because of the things they hold to from the word of God, both about salvation and sanctification and service and God's uh, uh, the, the, the coming kingdom, whatever it may be that God has settled them from his word in. They've suffered for that and not moved. So we know God can establish people. We know that Christians can be a steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You say, why is this first point necessary? Because if you look around you and we start focusing on how many people slide or change or are drifting, it can look like it's not possible. But it is. But the, may I say this? The child of God will only be established when God does the establishing. Now, we'll get into how he does that in just a moment. So the potential is there. Number two, the particulars of establishment. God wants us to be established, and he outlines it in the Bible in a number of different particular areas. Uh, we are to be established in our heart. We're first of all to be established in our heart in what we believe. So that is referring to our doctrine. Doctrine does matter. If a church minimizes doctrine, you really don't need to go to that church. If it, I mean, if you have a choice, if you have a choice of where to be, a church that says, around here we emphasize love, not doctrine. Ah, that's an, that's an oxymoron. Our doctrine, by the way, you know what that statement is? It's a doctrine. The very statement. We believe that it's love is more important than doctrine. That's a doctrine. And so it's a false statement on its face. Right? And so the fact of the matter is, the first thing that the Bible says that it's profitable for is doctrine, meaning knowing what to believe. Doctrine is vital. It's the foundation of everything else. Our doctrine is going to be the foundation of our disposition. Our doctrine is going to determine our direction. Our doctrine is going to determine what we do. If you believe you can lose your salvation, is that going to affect the way you live your life? Is it going to affect your spirit? Yes, absolutely, because what's going to happen is if you have any sincerity in you at all, you're going to be constantly worried that you're not saved. The only way a person that believes they can lose their salvation can be convinced they're not saved is to be insincere and ignoring of the truth. Because we start labeling sin the way God does. Then any person would say, how can I be saved if I've got to keep it? If you only lose your salvation over getting drunk or committing adultery, well, then you become a Pharisee and think that you're saved. But if you really believe you can lose your salvation over spotting yourself with sin, such as pride or envy or wrath or covetousness, then you'd constantly be in doubt and fear. So what we believe matters, does it not? If you don't believe that your Bible, the one you have now in this day, is infallible, aren't you going to be constantly questioning what it says? Oh, trust me, you will. I will too. If we don't believe that we can trust the Bible we have, so if to me the only infallibility is back somewhere else, then this one is up for debate. Is that correct? Eh, if, if that's what we believe, that, so our doctrine matters. And so the first place God wants us settled is in doctrine. He wants us to be established in doctrine. Go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit because I, I am not intending to do this in the two parts. So um, I'm going to go a little bit faster. Acts, Acts 16, or I'm trying to anyway, verses 4 and 5. Now, in Acts 15, you remember there was a great debate over whether or not Gentile believers had to be circumcised to be saved. Did they have to keep the Jewish law in order to be saved? Did that issue get settled? They got the matter established so that what was settled is no, you don't. You don't have to keep the law. It is faith in Jesus Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you need to stay away from these things that are representative of idolatry and will lead you into idolatry. But we're saved by faith in Christ alone. It was so established that the apostles wrote it down. Some decrees they wrote down. Peter and James wrote it and they put it in letter form and they first delivered it to the church at Antioch. The immediate result was joy. They came back and said, this, we knew this was true, but now it's in writing from the hands of the apostles. You know what they had? Scripture. They had holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and established some things. You do not have to keep the Jewish law uh, to be saved. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of that law to be saved. Right? That was established. So Acts chapter 16, Paul and now Silas are now traveling. They took those decrees with them. Those written decrees from the apostles, Acts 16, 4, said, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them 
the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. As they pulled out the written, the written decrees of the apostles, those that we have preserved for us in our Bible, the churches got those and got settled. You know what? We now know we're saved. You know what? If you're told you've got to be circumcised to be saved, and you know your family has not practiced that, yet you've come to personal faith in Jesus Christ. You know what that leaves in your mind? We trust Christ, but we're not circumcised. Are we really saved? Or are we still in danger of God's wrath? Once they got the decrees, you know what they knew? We are as saved as any Jew. We're as saved as any other person because we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. You can see how the, the doctrinal decrees and them getting settled what was true. There was This was, to some, tertiary doctrine. <laughs> I know, this is, this is fundamental. Are we saved by faith in Christ alone or are we saved by faith in Christ and what we do for Christ? By our faith in Christ alone. And by the way, that was, not some, that was not some decree of a Catholic church. This is the decree of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. And so then, Romans 16, 25, we read already that, that that establishment is to be according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the gospel that Paul preached. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. Let me just read Hebrews 13. Uh, I'm going to read all those, and then we'll refer to verse 9 later. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. The Lord wants us established in our doctrine, not waffling back and forth. Is this true or is this true? Getting settled from the word of God what the truth is. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow their confidence in the word of God. Considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Now, people say there's a lot of weird doctrines. The word strange doesn't mean weird. It means not given by the word of God. Doctrines that are not found in the Word of God. They're strange to the Word of God. You can dig in your Bible and you, you can't find what you're hearing taught. Okay, So then, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. There were still Judaizers saying, if you eat certain meat, you're not saved. And what the writer of Hebrews have to say? They're not telling you the truth. That's not what God said. All right, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but we've come to him. And so your heart's not established by your diet. Your heart is established by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so we must be established in doctrine. Number two, we must be established in our direction. Doctrine is what we believe. Direction is what are we aiming at? Where are we going? What is the goal and the objective of my life? If I've been saved by Jesus Christ, and you tell me what's the objective of my life? Pleasing him. That's the objective of my life. I have one objective, pleasing my Savior. I'm to walk and to please Him more and more, First Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, says. We referenced earlier, we won't turn there for time's sake, but the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that we're to consider our ways and we're to, to look and not turn to the right hand nor to the left. Let thine eyes look straight on and let thine eyes look straight before thee. Turn neither to the right hand nor to the left. We're to have an established direction, the will of God. Before I got saved, what was my direction? What was I pursuing before I got saved? My lust. That's it. Whatever I wanted. That's what the natural man pursues. Now that I'm saved, there doesn't need to be a question. Am I still able, am I still allowed to pursue my lusts and the will of God? No, you can't do both at the same time. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that they are the contrary one to the other. Galatians 5, 17. Or 15. See then, walk in the spirit and not, if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so the, the concept would be we are to be established in our direction. Hebrews 12, 13, uh, we read the, the other evening, I believe last Thursday night, Hebrews 12, 13, uh, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Straight means not, not pursuing this over here, not pursuing this over here, not chasing some strange doctrine, not chasing my lust, not chasing a doctrine that appeals to my lust, but pursuing the truth. Paul told Timothy, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, charity. Those are all things that are characteristic of Jesus Christ. We are to be pursuing one, Jesus Christ. If I'm preaching this right now and you're saying, is that right? You need to get that settled. Yes, that's right. We are to be following him. Be therefore followers of who as dear children? God. 
Be therefore followers of God as dear children. That's who we're following tonight. And for the child of God, God doesn't want us constantly vacillating. Today I'm following my lust, but now I'm following Christ. Now I'm walking in the flesh. Now I'm walking in the Spirit. No, we're to walk in the Spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I am to be established in my way. Let all thy ways, Proverbs 4 says, be established. I need to get settled. What does God want? If you have a, if you're hearing something preached from this pulpit, you're hearing something preached from this pulpit, application of the Bible made to your practical life, and there's a question in your mind, is that really what the Bible means as to far, as far as the decisions for my life? You need to dig in your Bible and get that matter settled. You need to get established. It is all too easy to say, well, that's the preacher's preference. It's not my job to preach preference to you, friend. <laughs> it's not my job. It's not my job to live preference. And we are, the Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we need to be established in our direction. What are we aiming at? Where are we going? What are we pursuing? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says this concerning the Lord. It says, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. God wants our hearts established, unblameable in holiness before the Lord, meaning living our lives for His eyes, for His approval. Paul said uh, that, that the love of Christ constrained Him, for that we thus judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. He went on to talk about the verses prior to that, that they labored that they may be accepted of Him. Second Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to study to show ourselves approved unto who? God. We must get the direction of our lives settled. Today, the direction of my life should be the will of God. That's God's will. Uh, that is what, that's what my life is determined by, what God wants. He saved me. I lived for what I wanted. That was folly. That was sin. I was a servant of sin. Now I'm a servant of righteousness. So we need to be established what is right. What is right in the sight of God? What is acceptable to Him? What is pleasing to Him? We are to prove, the Bible says, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want know what has happened when you've proven the will of God? You're established. You're established. Tonight, there are certain things I'm not open-minded to doing in my life. I'm just not open-minded to it. I'm, I'm not, and I won't give a bunch of illustrations, but there was a time... When I looked at the potential, do I have liberty to do this? Yes, I could. No one's going to stop me. But does the love of Christ give me liberty to do this? No. I was talking to a man today. We're talking about language. And I think what brought it to his mind is there were some things present that had bad language in them. And I think my presence provoked that conversation. So we're talking about bad language and whether or not it's really bad to use bad language and what is bad language and what constitutes bad language. For me, I've made the decision if something has bad language that I know God doesn't want coming out of my mouth, I'm not going to intentionally put it in my ears. Whether it's a movie, whether it's a, a book, whether it's something I'm listening to, and that's something that's settled for me, but settled from the Word of God for me. I had to go and say, okay, where are the lines going to be drawn for my direction? What am I aiming at? If my personal pleasure is what I'm aiming at, then I'm going to allow for a lot of things. If living a life that is wholly pleasing to the Lord is what I'm aiming at, there's a lot of things that are going to say, nah, I can't allow that because it's going to cause me to compromise God's will in my life here. You with me? We've got to get our direction established. Thirdly, we need to have our disposition established. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to just read it. We read it before. It says, Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving flows out of an established heart. I'm not still guessing at what is true. I'm not still guessing at the will of God for my life. I'm settled, and I can, I can have a thankful heart. I can be satisfied, excuse me, satisfied and thankful. You realize God deals with our disposition as much as he does our direction, meaning what am I aiming at? What are the steps I'm taking? Where am I going? What am I seeking to accomplish? My direction is this. I'm headed for the judgment seat of Christ. I'm aiming at hearing well done, right? And so then in the process of that, we are to have the right disposition. We're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're to give thanks to God for all things. So we need to be established in our disposition. Are there dispositions he's not pleased with? They need to be put away. 
If I know there's pride, I need to put it away and replace that with humility by the word of God, by the grace of God. If there is envy, if there's covetousness, those are dispositions, discontentment, so on and so forth. So we need to be established in doctrine. We need to be established in our direction. We need to be established in our disposition. And as a result, we will be established in our deportment, in our deportment. First Thessalonians 3.13, again, by deportment, I mean what we do. Uh, to the end, he says, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Then the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2.17, comfort your hearts, speaking again of the Lord, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. God wants to establish us in every good word and work, meaning he wants our speech to be established. He wants us to be settled in in, in, and constant and steadfast in using the right kind of words. Let your speech be always, that word always refers to establishment. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 tells us. And so our speech is to be always with grace. We are to be established in every good word and work. You know what? Your Bible reading is a good work that doesn't need to be sporadic. Your prayer life is a good work that doesn't need to be sporadic. Being faithful to assemble with God's people is a good work. It doesn't need to be sporadic. Witnessing to the unsaved and giving them the gospel is a good work. It doesn't need to be sporadic. Giving of our time to other people, helping in practical ways, being kind to other people, doing to them as we would have them do unto us, giving to people. This is good works. Good works do not save us, but good works should be established in the life of someone who's saved. Obeying your parents' children should not be sporadic. It shouldn't only be when they're around. When mom and dad are there, you should obey. When mom and dad are not there, you should obey. Why? Because you're not doing it for mom and dad. It's for the Lord. Amen? We're to be established. You know what? The most constant, stable people on planet Earth ought to be Christians. Because we know what's right. (laughs) And, and we're free to do it. We're free to do right. And so then tonight, God wants us established not only in our doctrine, not only in our disposition, uh, not only in our direction, but in our deportment, in what we do and what we say, we're to be consistent and constant in doing that which is good in the sight of God and profitable toward men. Okay, so those are the particulars of our establishment. The provision, a lot of these verses we've already seen, so I'm going to reference them and move fairly quickly. We have seen the provision for our establishment, the source of our establishment is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. We're rooted and built up in Him. But question, practically, how does the source, the fountainhead, get the streams of life to you? What are the channels of His blessing? How does the Lord Jesus Christ, the head, minister the resources of His mind to His body, the church? Well, it starts right here. Does it not? Remember what established the churches there in Acts 16? The written word of God. The the apostles spoke. They wrote it down. The other apostles delivered the decrees for to keep and they were established in the faith. You know what will settle you on your doctrine? I promise you reading blogs will not settle you on your doctrine. It will confuse you. Because you'll meet ten people that claim to be Christians that believe ten different things. But when you read your Bible, it's always going to say the same thing. You know what settled me on eternal security? The Bible. God. You know what settled me on belief that I have a Bible? I thought about this when it comes to the Bible. Inspiration. I shared this with my boys today. It may not excite you like it did me. The doctrine of inspiration, God transmitted the words that were in heaven to earth through men. Preservation, he transmitted his word through time. From generation to generation. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away, right? Uh, the words of the Lord are pure words. A silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So forever, O Lord, that word is settled in heaven. Wonderful. Do we have it on earth? Yes. It's called inspiration. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Well, they had it way back when. Do we have it today? Yes. God has preserved it from generation to generation. And the Bible calls what we call translation. The Bible calls interpretation. This being interpreted, okay? So this is the king of the Jews. is above the head of the Lord Jesus on the cross. And it was written in three languages. We have it in one language. 
God's able to handle translation. I know that folks have a hard time with that, but he can do it. Translation or interpretation is the transmission of God's word from one language to another. Amen? Illumination is the transmission of God's word from the page to your heart. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Do you know who's behind it all? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's His Word and it's a miracle. We know It's a miracle that got from heaven to earth. It's a miracle that it got from one generation to another. It's a miracle to go from one language to another. And it's a miracle that it can go from a page to your heart. And if you don't believe in a miracle working God, take your Bible, check it in at the nearest garbage can and go live your life. Many say, I believe in the miracle of inspiration, but that's it. What short change? What short change? Do you realize the establishment of your faith is going to say, I believe because the Bible says. Amen? So the establishment of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the written word. You know, we not only have the truth girt up in the loins of our mind, and the sword of the Spirit is in what? It's in our hand. Do we not have a two-edged sword not only in our heart and mind, but in our hand? Of course we do. And so tonight, the written word of God will establish... This is why... Listen, I'll say it again with such burden in my heart. It's why Satan works so hard. If he cannot physically get the Bible out of your hand, he wishes to spiritually separate your heart from it. To cause you to approach it with doubt, question, and trepidation. You'll never get settled on what is true if you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Never. There's always a question. Because then we're back to having to trust men instead of God. That God uses men. But he ultimately gives us his word. And so the Lord Jesus Christ gave his apostles the ability to write some things down. And we have a foundation upon which to build our faith. That's the written word of God. And so then tonight, uh, when it comes to the source of our, of our establishment, it comes from the Lord himself that's repeated over and over in Romans 6.25, in 2 Corinthians 1.21, in Colossians 2.7, uh, 7, and 1 Thessalonians 2.12 and 13, and 1 Peter 5.10, they all reference the Lord establishing us himself. But the supply, I failed to mention, first of all, is through his indwelling spirit. To every believer, he gives his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Ephesians 3.16, we are strengthened with might by his spirit in our inner man. You know who will strengthen your confidence in the word of God? God himself. God, he is still the one. The Holy Spirit is still the one who guides us into all truth. And you know what? You can approach this Bible and say every bit of it's true, cover to cover. And he'll guide me into that and guide me through it. And so then the indwelling spirit, that's how he establishes us, the illumination of Scripture. Again, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished. That's established. Unto all good works. The Scripture is sufficient to establish you he not only gives us the indwelling spirit, the illumination of Scripture, but the influence of saints. Look, if you would, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we have one point, and we'll wrap it up after this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. One final main point here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And by the way, I'm going to give you one example. There's numerous examples of this throughout your New Testament of God using people, delivering the words of Scripture to establish people in their faith. Remember we read in Hebrews 13, 7? Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. You know what? Follow people whose faith is in this book. Faith in the word of God. That's whose faith we follow. People who trust what the Bible says. Trust what God says. Amen? And what the Holy Spirit of God says through the Bible. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through uh, 3, 1 and 2. Paul says, Wherefore, uh, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God. So who is Timothy ministering for? God and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ. And what is Timothy's objective? To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Why was Timothy sent to the Thessalonians? To get them settled on what they believed about Jesus Christ. To get them settled and firm. The Thessalonians are being persecuted. The pressure would be to change their belief system because of the pain associated. Timothy was sent to establish them. You know what God will do? He'll send people, servants of God, in your life to point you to the Word of God and, and, and establish you in the faith. May I say this? You know what Satan is busy doing today? Attacking your Bible and attacking God's servants. 
to get you to distrust your Bible and to get you to distrust spiritual leadership in your life so that what he'll say is you can't trust the Bible because, well, it's translated by men. And you know who's telling you that? Some man. And you can't, oh, hey, don't you trust these dictatorial, uh, what's, what's the word, narcissistic leaders of our day? Do we have dictatorial narcissistic leaders? You bet. And they are prime for the devil to use. You know why? So that he can say that's what they all are. And so then, you know who's telling you that? Normally some dictatorial, narcissistic leader who wants you to follow him instead of God. And he does it in the name, I'm just trying to protect you from all the narcissists out there. Liar. (laughs) Those guys are generally liars, tools of the devil. Sometimes, sometimes children of God and still tools of the devil. God will use us to help each other be established in the faith. Amen? And so then finally, the purpose for establishment. The purpose. Why does God want us established? It's pretty self-explanatory. He wants us strong spiritually. He doesn't waffle, want you waffling on, the, on truth. He doesn't want you double-minded. He doesn't want you blown about by every lie that comes your way. He wants you to be settled in, in your heart on what He has told you in His Word. So He wants you strong. Again, Ephesians 6 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He wants us to be strong. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God wants to establish, strengthen, settle you so that you're not moved about, so that you're not filled with doubt and confusion and incapable of moving forward in his will for your life. So he wants you to have spiritual strength. Number two, obviously he wants you to have spiritual stability. You can't keep from... if. Here's what makes us move. When someone tells us something that's conflicting with what we believe or what we've been taught, you know what makes us move? We're not sure that what we've been taught is true. So let me put it to you this way. You've been taught that when God saved you, He's going to save you for all eternity, that you're sealed by the Spirit of the day of redemption. But if you've not got that matter settled in your own heart, somebody's going to come along and craftily with the Bible going to say, but yeah, but what about that text in Hebrews 6 that says, if you fall from grace? They never quote the verses following and say, but we are persuaded better things of you. They never quote that one. And they never quote, and if you have fallen, you cannot be renewed to repentance. They never quote that. Cherry-picking Bible verses and making the Bible say things it doesn't. But if you've not gotten settled that once God saved you, He sealed you because He said so, and that eternal means eternal, then somebody's going to come along and talk you out of it. You've got to get settled on what is true from the Word of God so that you can be stable. And every time somebody comes up with a different doctrinal idea, it doesn't throw you, it doesn't shift your thinking. You say, no, I believe what God says. I believe what God says. And by the way, God through the Scripture has to... No one person can transfer his convictions to another. Not just automatically. You cannot transfer conviction by osmosis. No more than you can get somebody saved by osmosis. Truth? You just can't do that. God can use a person, as we just said, to establish people by pointing them to the truth. But you've got to get settled that what God said is true. Amen? And so then, God wants our strength, our stability, our satisfaction. He wants us to abound in our, our position in Christ with thanksgiving. You know, when we get, you know when we give thanks? When we're content. Thank, contented people are thankful people. And if you're not content in Christ... Nothing can content you. The Bible says, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God wants our strength, our stability, our satisfaction. He wants our safety. He wants us safe from those that would harm us spiritually, rob us of our joy, rob us of our fruitfulness, uh, that's why he said he doesn't want us to be spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. He doesn't want us pulled away in our belief system by something other than the word of God. And so then, 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 3, he says this. Uh, let, me, let me move down. Excuse me. I'm at the wrong place. 2 Thessalonians um, 3.13. I may have written myself the wrong note. The Bible says, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, all the saints. That's not the word of the verse I was looking for. Second uh, Thessalonians 3, 3 is what I'm looking for. Let me turn there because I don't have it in my notes. Verse 2 says, and That we may be delivered from unreasonable and, uh, and wicked men, for all men have not faith, 
but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Establishment keeps us from evil. He wants our safety. Of course, he wants our steadfastness. He wants us to continue. James 5, 8, be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He wants us to continue in his service. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's verse 15 of, uh, 58 of 1 Corinthians 15. All the verses prior were dealing with the doctrine of the resurrection. Someone had come and told them a counter truth, a lie about the resurrection. And Paul was writing to say, no, don't move from what I taught you about the resurrection. The trump will sound. You'll be caught up. You're going to get a glorified body. That has not already happened. Don't believe the lie. Stay in the truth. Right? Finally, he wants our success at the judgment seat. I just read it a moment ago, 1 Thessalonians 3.13. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. At the judgment seat, if we're going to be found faithful, we have to be faithful. Faithful means I'm established. I'm, a, I'm unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord all the way up until the day he calls me home. And so tonight, if we're not going to go astray, we've got to be established. We can, the potential is there. God is able to establish us. He is able to settle our hearts in the truth, get us settled on doctrine, direction, disposition, Deportment, all those things. God himself can, can establish his own people in the truth. The particulars, I just mentioned them. The provision, he's get, the Lord Jesus Christ supplies to us by his spirit through the scripture and the saints what we need to be established. And then the purpose, our strength, stability, satisfaction, safety, steadfastness, service, and success. And by that we mean hearing well done at the, at the judgment seat. Hope is helpful to you tonight. A lot of, lot of scripture, let me encourage you. You want a good Bible study to follow up? Go back and do it again. Study establishment in your New Testament. And find out. Go back and study this. And then, then ask the Lord to help you this. Is there any area I'm not established? Is there any area I'm personally unsettled on what is true? Where I'm not fixed? And then ask the Lord, would you, would you settle me? There came a time when I was brought up in certain things as a Christian. And there came a time when I said, you know what? I've got to be settled that what I've been taught is true. So I began to take doctrine by doctrine that I'd been taught, and practical thing by practical thing, and go to my Bible in prayer and say, Lord, would you show me this is what I've been taught, and I have no reason to believe it's not true, but I need to get these things settled myself. And I can tell you that projected me forward my spiritual life. It helped me move forward because God did. He established my heart in some things, and he'll do it for every one of us. Amen. Mm-hmm.